Sometimes Lisa will ask me, like on a Sunday night or a Monday morning, uh, Lisa will ask me, what does your week look like? And I always go down the laundry list of things that have to be done for the week. And I'm sure you got your list too, right? You know, you, in your mind, or maybe on paper, or maybe on your phone, you've got your laundry, laundry list of everything you've got to get done. And, and, of course, some weeks are busier than others. Some weeks are more stressful than others. Some weeks the load is heavier than others. Uh, but you know what it's like, I'm sure, to have a week that is full and a week that is very, perhaps, stressful. And so I have a reminder for you. A reminder from former astronaut John Glenn. I don't know if you remember John Glenn. If you're probably my age, you do. But if you're younger, you may not really know that name. Very few people captured America's imagination like America's first astronauts. Now, I will say that was a little bit before my time, but I did see the movie Right Stuff. If you haven't seen the movie Right Stuff, that needs to be on your playlist as you try to maybe get on Netflix or something and watch a, a really good movie. But it was a movie about America's first astronauts. There, wasn't a, there was a time that we didn't go to space. There was a time when exploring space was not even on our radar. But once it came on our radar as a nation, we had to choose some of the first astronauts. John Glenn was one of those guys. They had the right stuff. Glenn was actually the third American to go into outer space, but he was the first American to orbit the Earth, and he circled the Earth three times in 1962. I don't remember that. I was two years old. So to give you the time frame, I'm not speaking from experience. I'm speaking more from admiration as I've, as I've learned through history. But not only did he circle the Earth in 1962 three times, first American to do that, he also later became a U.S. Senator, and beyond that, he later became the oldest person to fly in space as he flew again as a senior citizen. Some of you may remember that, October, the 28, or October 29th, 1998, John Glenn boarded a, the space shuttle and took off and went into outer space again as a senior adult. So. Whenever John Glenn gives, or, or he's dead now, but whenever John Glenn would give advice to young astronauts, he had a unique recommendation for them. Every time he spoke to young astronauts, and he was a popular guy because he was one of the first, he was one of the pioneers, and uh, Mr. Glenn, do you have any, do you have any, any kind of uh, word of encouragement? Do you have any, any words of wisdom? He would always say the same thing, and this is what it, what it is. It's say, don't forget to look out the window. And he knew how busy you are trying to fly a spacecraft. He knew that you have your checklist in the spacecraft. And you're going down everything on your checklist in the spacecraft. And he knew, especially in his day, there were a lot of knobs to turn and buttons to push. And there was just a lot to keep up with. He knew how busy and how stressful it can be to fly a spacecraft in outer space. But he would always say to those young astronauts, don't forget, in the midst of the busyness of flying a spacecraft, don't forget to look out the window at outer space. Don't forget to look out the window. And later, other astronauts have expressed their appreciation because in the busyness of trying to fly the space shuttle, they would remember the words 
of their mentor and they would take the time to look out the window and to admire God's creation called outer space. I think we all have that kind of a tendency, at least I know I do, I bet some of you do as well. Getting so busy making sure that everything needs to be done, getting so busy with our checklist, getting so overwhelmed with all that has to be accomplished that it, it's easy for me, and I bet it's easy for you, to get focused on what's ahead, what has to be accomplished, what I need to get checked off my list, and forget to look out the window. Sometimes we're so task-oriented, so goal-oriented, that we can forget to see the beautiful things that God may be doing all around us. So tonight, that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to look out the window. I want you to take your Bibles, and you may have a busy week ahead of you, but I want you to pause with me for a moment. I want you to look out the window as we look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103. David in Psalm 103 seems to be addressing our tendency to miss or to forget a lot of life's blessings, to miss or forget a lot of what God is doing in our world. We have that tendency to get so involved in everything else that's going on that sometimes we actually can overlook or miss or forget what God has done or what God may be doing. Let, let me show you what I'm talking about. Just notice how Psalm 103 starts. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And I've underlined this. And forget not, what? All His benefits. Forget not all His benefits. Psalm 103, David is reminding us that there are some times when we need to pause. There are some times when we need to remember. There are some times when we need to recall. There are some times when we need to look out the window. Intentionally taking the time to see what God is doing. And if you will intentionally take the time to see what God is doing, you might be less stressed. You may not be quite as overwhelmed. And perhaps you might even be, or might even have a little better perspective on what you're facing in life. Can I remind you what Lamentations 3.23 says? I bet somebody here can quote Lamentations 3.23. What does it say? Lamentations 3.23 says, Lamentations 3.23 says that God's mercies are new every morning. Now let that sink in for just a moment. God's mercies are new every morning. Which means there's some new God stuff to appreciate every day. Every day, God's doing something new. Every day, God's doing something on your behalf. Every day, God's involved in your world. His mercies are new every morning, that there is God's stuff going on around you all the time, but do you take the time to look out the window? Do you take the time to appreciate the new stuff God does every day? I, I really sense that in the best of times, and sometimes in the worst of times, one of the best things we could do would be to take a little, little time to 
Look at what God's doing around us. So tonight, we're going to focus on Psalm 103, and we're going to try to be very strategic in the way that we approach the study. And I'm going to ask for your participation a time or two, and we're going to just take this verse apart, and then we're going to put it back, or this, this psalm apart, and then we're going to put it back together and hopefully have a better perspective. So the goal tonight is to be very practical, very personal, and very simple. As I encourage you, maybe more so as God encourages you, to notice what He's doing every morning, every day, to notice what's outside the window. So, here's what I wanted to start with. I want to start with a wide-angle look at Psalm 103. And I'm going to encourage you, if you have your bulletin, to flip it over and put some notes down, or if you carry a notebook with you, there's going to be some, some really good stuff for you to write down tonight from God's Word uh, I, I want to kind of take a step back from Psalm 103. And, and, and as we take a step back, I want to get a wide-angle view of Psalm 103 and where it fits in Scripture. And then we're going to take a step toward Psalm 103 and begin to examine it closer and closer. So let's take a step back from Psalm 103. And I want you to notice, first of all, that Psalm 103 is part of Book 4 in the Psalter. Uh, that is the... The Psalms are divided into different books. And Psalm 103 is part of book 4. We're taking a wide-angle view now. Let me show you, if you'll go with me to Psalm 90. Just real quickly, I just want you to see that there's different books within the Psalms. Psalm 90, the heading over Psalm 90, probably in your Bible, has any kind of notations at all. It probably says book 4. And like in my Bible, it says Psalms 90 through 106. So when we come to Psalm 103, we're getting close to the end of book 4. Psalm 103 begins kind of the ending. That might sound strange, but every psalm, starting with 103 through Psalm 106, every psalm is a psalm of praise. As book 4 is being concluded, as book 4 is being brought together, all the four psalms, the last four psalms, Close book four by emphasizing praising God and praising God for different reasons. And this is just a wide-angle view, but in 103, we praise God for His benefits to His people. In Psalm 105, we praise God because of His care for the world in which we live. In Psalm, 10, or that was Psalm 104. Psalm 105, we praise God for His wonderful acts on behalf of Israel, the different things that He's done for Israel. And in Psalm 106, we praise God for His long-suffering or His patience, toward his people who sometimes are rebellious. Now, if you look at all of those psalms, go back to Psalm 103. Those last four psalms, every one of them, begin and end with praising God. Starting with Psalm 103, going through Psalm 106, every one of those psalms start with, they begin with a praise and they end with a praise. Now, I've told you before, if you've been here any time at all, that when you see something repeated in Scripture, that it's God's way of saying, this is really important, you need to take notice. This is something you need to pay attention to. And so when we come to this part of the Psalms, those last four Psalms in Book 4 are all Psalms of praise. And again and again and again and again, we're told to praise the Lord, that it's very, very important. Now, I like what Warren Wiersbe said about praise. If you take your notes, write this down. Warren Wiersbe said this about praise. He said, God is not just part of life. He is the heart of life. 
when you think about praise, you're praising God not because God's not just part of life. He is the heart of life. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we get so busy in life, so busy with your schedule. In fact, if some of you told us what's on your list for this week, we'd get tired just thinking about it. We'd get overwhelmed and stressed out with all the things that you're going to try to accomplish this week. And we forget to look out the window at the amazing things that God has done or that God is doing. So I want to talk to you tonight about living this life of praise. Because here's, here's what we're going to learn. That when we praise the Lord, there are four major... It helps us overcome four major barriers. When we praise the Lord, it helps us overcome four major barriers that we sometimes struggle with. Write these down. Let me give you those four major barriers. One... Is criticism. Whether you have a critical spirit or others are criticizing you, one of the ways to deal with criticism is by praising the Lord. It's getting your eyes off of that person who is critical or getting your eyes off of yourself. How do you deal with criticism? Praising the Lord. A living a life of praise enables you to overcome that barrier of criticism. Also, the second barrier that sometimes we struggle with is the barrier of complaining. I know you don't complain, but the person beside you, they probably do, right? You don't complain, but somebody, they just complain sometimes. But living a life of praise, as you take the time to look out the window, you probably would find yourself complaining less. Number three, competing. Competing, now, listen, I'm a competitive person, especially when it comes to sports. And so I'm not saying that that's wrong, but sometimes we're just always competing for attention. We're competing for the promotion. We're competing for this or for that. We're, we're competing on social media. We're trying to look better or get more followers. And, and we're just competing all the time. Living a life of praise, that competition begins to fade. And then the fourth major barrier is comparing. It's so easy to compare what others have or what they're doing, the opportunities that they have. And these four things become joy stillers because you're, you're comparing and they rob us of the joy of living for God. But praising God helps us to stay in tune with who He is and what He's doing in our lives, what He's doing in our world. So, that's kind of the wide angle view of Psalm 103. All four Psalms, 103, 104, 105, 106, are all focused on various aspects, various reasons to praise God. Now we need to go closer. Take a step closer to the text. There are four things I want you to write down as I just summarize Psalm 103, then we're actually going to study the text. So as we take a step closer to Psalm 103, there's four things that I want you to know about this psalm. Number one, there are no requests in this psalm. It is only pure praise. It's a beautiful psalm. There's not one place in the psalm where the psalmist is asking for anything. Not asking God to do anything, not asking God to, to step in. Uh, this is not a psalm where the psalmist is asking for anything. All right, so number two. We are admonished not to forget God's blessings. In Psalm 103, of course, I read the verse for you already. We're admonished not to forget God's blessings. Now, why would the psalmist pause and say, let me remind you, don't forget, because that's the tendency we all have. If you look in, De in Deuteronomy, God's people, as they were coming out of Egypt and into the promised land, Moses warned them, 
We all have the tendency, and you'll have the tendency to get into the promised land and to enjoy the blessings of God and forget to look out the window. You'll enjoy the blessings of God and forget where they came from. You will forget. And so Psalm 103 admonishes us not to forget God's blessings. The third statement is this. This psalm, Psalm 103, moves in a progression. It moves in a progression. I'm not going to write it on the board because I want to write some other things in a moment. But you could divide Psalm 103 into three progressions, if you will. The first progression would be personal praise. It begins with personal praise, verses 1 through 6, personal praise. But then it progresses. And that second section would be national praise. That the whole nation of Israel is supposed to praise the Lord. And that's verses 6 through 19, national praise. So we go from personal praise to national praise, verses 6 through 19. And then we come here to what we would call heavenly praise, verses 20 through 23. That would be one way of outlining this, this psalm. That's not really the outline we're going to use, but it is a good way to kind of understand the psalm. That the whole psalm is about praise, personal praise, national praise, and heavenly praise. So the psalm moves in a progression, okay? Now, number four. The last statement, general statement that I want to make before we really start digging into the psalm is this. The opening line and the last line are identical. The opening line, praise the Lord, O my soul. The last line, praise the Lord, O my soul. So those statements, these calls to praise the Lord, frame the body of this hymn. And it sets the tone for what the hymn is all about. So, with that kind of as an outline, if you will, some statements that we need to have in our minds so that we can better understand Psalm 103. I now want to take a real close look at this psalm. So, join me as we do kind of a close-up study and just read our way through the psalm. So, here's what I want you to write down. If you're taking notes, you might want to put two lines just like this. Verses 1 through 5 talk about praise the Lord. And it really is referring to His benefits. Alright. Verses 1, 1 through 5 praise the Lord for His benefits. Now I want you to read the text. And I want you to tell me what the benefits are. And we'll read it together in a moment, but just try to pick out what's the first benefit that he lists there. All right? So let me see how my Bible describes it. So one benefit is that he is a God who forgives. The second benefit is what? He heals. The third benefit is he redeems. The fourth one is that he crowns. And the fifth one, he satisfies. Now, I don't know if you can read that, but you certainly can read it in the Scripture. Let's walk our way through that text. Praise the Lord, O my soul, verse 1. All my inmost being, praise 
His holy name. Now, would you notice, first of all, pause there for just a moment, that David is talking to himself. He's calling himself to look out the window. He's reminding himself to look out the window. He's reminding himself to take a moment in the busyness of life and to pause and to praise the Lord. But he says, praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. In other words, David is challenging himself that this praise needs to come deep from within him. It's not a shallow thing. This is not a flippant thing. This is, this is a time where you're looking out the window and you're overcome by what you're seeing and you praise the Lord in response to that. Then he goes on in verse 2, Praise the Lord, O my soul. He repeats it. And then he, this challenge, And forget not all His benefits. Anybody here tonight say there are some benefits to knowing God? Aren't there benefits to having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? And then thankfully David actually lists some of the benefits. He says, who forgives, what's those next three words? David said, let's praise the Lord. And here's the reason we should praise Him. Praise Him for His benefits. And one of the benefits is that He forgives What's that next word? He forgives. Thank you. I want you to focus on that for a second. Who forgives all your sins. Not some. Who forgives all your sins. We'll talk about that a little bit deeper in a moment as we see God's forgiveness in action. But David says one of the things you need to recognize when you come to the Lord, one of the reasons you should pause and look out the window is because you don't have a sin in your life that He's not forgiven if you've taken it to the cross. He forgives. Actually, I could preach a whole sermon on that phrase right there, and I may one day soon, because He forgives all of your sins. And then he says, the second benefit is this, and he heals. Now this is where it gets challenging, right? It says he heals. Now we don't have a question with the fact that he heals, but it says he heals all your diseases. Anybody know anybody that wasn't healed? You ever pray for somebody and they died anyway? got them in my family you probably have them in your family so how do we make sense of this David says praise the Lord all my soul he forgives all of your sins and he heals all your diseases scholars have wrestled with this trying to figure out what's the best way to explain that some say what he's talking about there is He's talking about spiritual sins, spiritual diseases. And it's connected to, He forgives all of our sins and, and He heals all your diseases. And I guess you could make a case for that, but it doesn't appear to me that the most obvious reading of that text seems to be, the most obvious reading is that He's talking about healing your physical diseases, not your spiritual diseases. Who forgives our sins and He heals all your diseases. Now, some would say the way that you handle that phrase is that if there is any healing at all, we know it comes from God, right? Anybody agree with that? Listen, I, listen I, I'm glad we got doctors, and I'm glad we got medicine, but the one who actually brings healing to our bodies is the one who created our bodies. 
So he heals all your diseases. And maybe that's what David meant there, that, that listen, if there's any healing, one of the reasons to praise God, not only does he forgive all of your sins, but he's the one that actually brings healing to your body. Another suggestion would be that when he says he heals all your diseases, David is thinking about he either heals it here or he heals it there. And he did that for my dad. And he did that for my mom. And he did that for Lisa's dad and for Lisa's mom. And he did that for my brother. They were not healed here, but they are eternally well now. He heals all of our diseases one way or the other. David said, one of the reasons you need to pause and look out the windows because you serve the God who heals all your diseases. Then he goes on, the third benefit is this. He redeems your life from the pit. He redeems, he buys back. If you feel like, man, I've ruined my life, I'm in this deep pit of darkness and despair and depression, and I've just ruined everything. David said, no, 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 time out, time out. God can pull you out of that pit. God can change your life. And God can redeem it. That awful circumstance, God can redeem it. God can still use it for His glory. God can bring you out of that slavery. He can set you free. David said, one of the reasons you need to pause and look out the window and praise the Creator of everything is because doesn't, He doesn't just forgive you of your sins, but He redeems you of those times when you've been called up in sin. Then He goes on to say this, and He crowns you with love and compassion. Uh, this is just a beautiful word picture. Notice that it follows, He redeems you from the pit. It follows your failure. After your failure and your struggle, David said one of the benefits, one of the reasons to praise the Lord is not only does He redeem you from life's bad choices, He redeems you from all your struggles, but He crowns you with His love. He wants you to know that He loves you. He crowns you with compassion. And then He goes on to say, and another benefit is this, he satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That is, so that you have new strength. He satisfies you. That there is satisfaction in God that you can't find anywhere else. Anybody agree with that? There's satisfaction in knowing God and serving God and walking with God that you can't find anywhere else. Why are you drinking from the mud holes of this world when you can have living water, water in Jesus? He satisfies you in a way that nothing else can. So, one of the reasons that we need to praise the Lord is we praise Him because of His benefits. Now, it gets good. We're also going to praise Him. We're developing Psalm 103. And so, the first section is about praising the Lord because of His benefits. The second section is a really good section. And I'm going to label it this way. God reigns. Why do we praise the Lord? Because God reigns. Now, I want to show you something really interesting. I hope it's in your Bible. I've looked at a couple of Bibles of mine, and it's true in every Bible. I'm not sure how your Bible is printed, uh, but maybe it will be this way in your Bible as well. Would you look at verse 6 and compare it to verse 5? Is there a gap there, a space between verse 5 and 6 in your Bible? 
Okay, and then would you look after verse 6 and compare it to verse 7? Is there a gap between verse 6 and verse 7 in your Bible? All right, so watch this. This is what we might call a, a literary frame. Starting at verse 6, a literary frame. Now, go to verse... 19. Compare verse 18 to verse 19. Is there a gap there? Yeah? After verse 19, is there a space between verse 19 and verse 20 in your Bible? Alright? That's the second part of the frame. So we're talking here about verse 19. When you read your Bible, you should not just read the words. You should look at the structure of what you're reading, especially when you're reading in the Psalms. Notice how the Psalms are put together. And so that's what I want to show you right now. If you look at verses 1 through 5, line after line after line, they're together, right? That's a paragraph. They're together like a paragraph. Then there's a space. Verse 6 stands by itself. Then verses 7 through 18 is line after line after line after line after... That's a very long paragraph. Then in verse 19, there's a space. Then after verse 19, there's three verses together. One final paragraph, verses 20 through 22. This is a literary device where something... The heart of the message is right here. All right? This frames the psalm. This is what frames the psalm. This is the heart of the message. This is where you need to really focus. And so there's this literary gap, this, this frame there. There's a space around verse 6 and a space around verse 19. And in that frame, two things are mentioned. God's compassion... God's compassion for God's compassion for sinners. And that's verses seven through twelve. And then that's the first part of what's in the frame. The second part of what's in the frame is God's compassion for what we might call mere mortals. That we're mere mortals, but God still loves us. And that would be verses 13 through 18. Okay, are you with me? So we're going to look at this literary frame. Why is it that the psalmist, as he was writing Psalm 103, that he put verse 6, he structured it this way deliberately. He put verse 6 by itself, and he put verse 19 by itself, because he's saying, I want you to notice how I have framed this message. So what does verse 6 say? The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. What does verse 19 say? The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. What's between those two frames? Well, let's read it. Again, you can divide it into two sections. First of all, God's compassion for sinners. Let's read this. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is, what's those next three words? The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Aren't you glad that's true? The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Watch this. 
slow to anger, bounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. But David is saying we need to praise the Lord because our God reigns and he has demonstrated his compassion for sinners. And everything in verses 7 through 12 talks about God's compassion, his abundant compassion and graciousness towards sinners. And I wish we had time just to study that. Maybe we'll come back to it. But let's just read it one more time because it's so, so good. Verse 10, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Sometimes it happened this week, people will ask me, how you doing? I mean, you know, just general conversation. You pass people in the hallway at church or whatever. How you doing? I say, well, I'm a lot better than I deserve. It's kind of my standard answer. I'm, I'm a lot better than I deserve. And it really kind of comes out of the Scripture. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. I want to tell you something. If God repaid us according to our iniquities, we would be in trouble. Or at least your pastor would. I don't know about you, but I would be in trouble. And then this beautiful thought, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And then this beautiful statement, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. David said, listen, listen, pause for just a minute and make sure you look out the window. Do you realize he has not just forgiven you? Do you realize he has separated your sins from you? (laughs) You've got reason to praise him. Yeah, you may have a busy, stressful day tomorrow. But pause for a moment in the morning and look out the window. He has removed your sins from you. I know you've heard me say this a lot of times, but some of you are new. You perhaps have never heard this. It's interesting how he words this, as far as the east is from the west. He did not say as far as the north is from the south. Because from the north to the south is a measurable distance. Get a globe, any globe, look at it. From the north pole to the south pole is a measurable distance. But as far as the east is from the west, think about it in this way. If you get that globe and you're going east, you're always going east. You never start going west. You're always going east. If you go west, you're always going west. It's not a measurable distance. And David said, here's the reason we praise God. Because of his compassion for sinners. Because he separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. And somebody here tonight needs to hear that. Your sin has been forgiven. Your sin has been taken away from you. And the devil may be holding it over your head, but God is not. So... God's compassion, as we look at this literary frame, God's compassion for sinners, but then also God's compassion for mere mortals. Interesting how he talks about this, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows, watch this, for he knows how we're formed. He remembers We're dust. We're mere mortals. As for man, 
His days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over and it's gone. And its place, re- and its place remembers it no more. We're mere mortals. And yet He still expresses compassion to us. It's not like we've got a lot to offer Him. It's not like we're going to be here a long time. And yet He still expresses compassion to us. It really is quite amazing. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love was with those who fear Him and His righteousness with their children's children and with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. But we've got to finish this. And so we're looking at Psalm 103 in three sections. We praise the Lord because of His benefits. We praise the Lord because God reigns. Uh, his compassion for sinners and His compassion for mere mortals. Then we come back to this, to this theme again of praising the Lord. And here, here I would summarize it by saying it's heavenly praise. And that's, that's verses 20 to, what is it, 22? Look how the psalm ends. Verse 20, praise the Lord, you, heaven, you angels. He's talking about those in heaven now, right? Not talking about... David personally, he's not talking about the people who live in Israel. Now he's turned his attention to heaven. He says, praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. And then he says it again, praise the Lord, all His heavenly host, you His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works everywhere in His dominion. How many times do you see the word praise in those three verses? Well, look up here for a moment. Praise, praise, praise. Whenever you see in the Old Testament like this, whenever you see this triple repetition, like in Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy. It's a Hebrew literary device. Praise, praise, praise. Like holy, holy, holy. It's a way of, of emphasizing the godliness. It's a way of emphasizing the power. It's a way of emphasizing the worthiness of who He is. Praise, praise, praise. It's a way of emphasizing He truly is the only one worthy of that praise. He truly is the only one who deserves that praise. So praise, praise, praise. And here... David is talking to the heavenly beings and saying, angels and everybody else, y'all join in too. We were going to have a praise session. Now, I want to close with this idea. How many verses are in Psalm 103? Say it a little louder for me. Thank you. Do you know how many, how many letters are in the Hebrew alphabet? You want to guess? 22. Now, sometimes in the Psalms, it's called an acrostic alphabetic psalm. I mean, there's a more technical name, but sometimes you'll see Psalms where it starts with the, uh, the Aleph, the, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and each letter it starts a verse. But that's not what this is. But this is one of a, two or three Psalms where there are 22 verses, and scholars believe intentionally 22, to correspond to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. 
to basically signify everything that has breath should be praising the Lord. Praising the Lord personally for His benefits. Praising the Lord because He is in heaven and He reigns and He's showing His love and compassion for sinners as well as mere mortals. And praising the Lord, the heavenly host. And so 22 times in Psalm 103, 22 times in one way or another, we're encouraged to pause, to look out the window, and to remember who made it all possible. And to praise the Lord. To use our vocabulary. 22 times, 22 verses, 22 letters of the alphabet. To use our vocabulary, to use our vocal cords to praise the Lord. And so I want to give you an application, just kind of a, an assignment, if you will. I'll close with a story, and then I'm going to give you this assignment. I read about a, a young lady named Carrie. Carrie spent months at the hospital as she watched her young husband die a long, painful death. But she never sank into despair. And I think the reason she never sank into despair is because every morning on the way to the hospital she paused to look out the window. Every morning as she was on her way to the hospital she would play praise music as loud as she could. That was the way she went to the hospital every morning without fail. She played praise music. She said, and I quote, I filled up on praise because I knew there's only one place the devil will never be, and that's in praise to God. And so every morning, she started her morning like that as she had this months-long vigil because she understood, didn't she, that praise really is a choice. She understood that you can choose to, to focus on the problems, or you can choose to focus on the God who reigns. You can choose to focus on the people who let you down, or you can choose to focus on God who will never let you down. You can choose to focus on your failure, or you can choose to focus on God's faithfulness. See, praise doesn't just lift up the Lord. In the end, praise also lifts us up. We don't do it to be lifted up. We do it because He's worthy. But praise, in the end, lifts us up as we lift up the Lord. And so my conclusion is this. I want to encourage you to, in the next seven days during this week, to take Psalm 103, verse 2, and read it every morning, and then live it out. Take Psalm 103, verse 2, maybe memorize it. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And then memorize it and live it out. Just take Psalm 103, verse 2, and pause and look out the window and praise Him. And praise Him on Tuesday and praise Him on Wednesday and all throughout the week. Try to intentionally take a little time in the busyness of life to praise the Lord. I hope you will. Let me pray with you. Father, you and you alone, you and you alone deserve our praise. So I pray that you will remind us tomorrow. As we start our day, as we open the word, remind us of Psalm 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits.
Help us this week not to forget. And help us this week to sing our praises to you or to speak our praises to you. But help us to pause and look at all that you're doing as your mercies are new every morning. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.